0: And Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away. Yes. But my word never will pass away. Ever. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the God is powerful. He is real. Yes, He is. Maybe uh, you're lost, but we have. God, He is real, yeah. and His His word is true mm. for us, for everybody. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says, after this, Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples by the sea, the Sea of Tiberias, and He revealed Himself in this way. Sim- Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, and Nathanael of Cana of Galilee, the son of Sibeli, and two other of these disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they catch nothing. Mm. Después de esto, Jesús se manifestó otra vez a sus discípulos junto al mar de Tiberias y se manifestó de esta manera. Estaban juntos Simón, Pedro, Tomás llamado el Dídimo. Natanael, el de Cana de Galilea, los hijos de Zebedeo, y otros dos de sus discípulos. Simón Pedro le dijo, voy a pescar. Ellos le dijeron, vamos nosotros también contigo. Fueron y entraron en la barca, y aquella noche no pescaron nada. Amen. Amen.
1: Pray with me, church. Father, we thank you for your word, and we do pray, Father, that it would... Uh, transform us as we humble ourselves underneath it, um, and Lord, that you would come through with power and authority, and you would transform us as Angie displayed with those pennies, that you would cleanse us. Father, we will not be the same way that, that when we came in, and we ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said. Upon his departure from Deaf World Records on March 22nd. 1996, Dr. Dre, and I mean Dr. Dre beats Dr. Dre, NWA, Dr. Dre, cruising down the street in my uh, Dr. Dre, uh, quickly launched, quickly launched Aftermath Entertainment through Interscope Records. This was Dr. Dre's way of getting his life back after death row. He launched a whole new movement, Dr. Dre did. He had people like... Eminem and Busta Rhymes and 50 Cent signed to his label and they all got their life back with Aftermath. Dre was in the business of not only getting his life back but after getting his life back he created an opportunity for others to get their life back as well. Well last week we learned about another ultimate Dr. Dre who departed death row after walking out of the tomb. Jesus. Jesus launched his own aftermath organization called the church, and we learned last week that 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 you and I that that's me and you in the room right now can sign up by putting our faith in Him, and He gives us a brand new label. I want to preach this uh, thought this morning: Easter aftermath, Easter. Aftermath. We know the story of Easter aftermath, do we not? After defeating Death Row, Jesus rose from the dead. He went after people harder than hip-hop guys in the 90s selling tapes out of the trunk of his car. Easter. Last week we discovered God has the power to give us our life back. But check this, y'all. Not only does Jesus have the power to give us our life back, but in the Easter aftermath we discover God has the power to sustain the life he has given us back. Let me say that again. Not only does God have the power to give us our life back, but he has the power to sustain the life he has given us back. In other words, you need Jesus from beginning to end in in the middle of your walk. I don't know about you, but I have discovered my problem isn't just needing life, but but, 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 but I need God to sustain the life that he has given me. Only people that can shout after that statement. Are those that still struggle after salvation? Those only people shouting after that, those who realize that there's still a working progress. Those who realize that they're still under construction, those that realize that God still got some things to do with me. I love Jesus. I'm pursuing Jesus, but I ain't quite there yet. But if you feel like you're already there and you arrived already, you ain't got to shout, but you sit right there and you let the rest of us shout for a moment because we believe that we're still a working progress. And if you're like me, you ain't got to go too far back in your past. Sometimes you can look at yesterday. Now, let me do you one better. You can look at what you did in the parking lot before you got here, and you realize that you're still a working progress. Those who've been walking with Jesus but still struggling. DMX can relate to that. He was was an open, struggling brother. Peter can relate to that. Check it out in the story, y'all, in the aftermath of Easter. Jesus asks Peter this. Simon, son of John, do you love me? It's a searching question, isn't it? To have Jesus ask you specifically and pointedly, do you love me? We got to slow down because there's a question we must ask. Why this question, Jesus? What is the context, Pastor? Well, y'all, Peter had left Jesus and when went, went, at, uh, after Peter left death row, he went and did his own thing, y'all. Peter straight bounced on Jesus while Jesus was with death row. He bounced on my man. He dropped the whole label, and, and he just dipped on Jesus. Y'all, ain't that bogus? Ain't that something? This supposed to be Jesus' boy. This supposed to be his homeboy. Supposed to have his back. Supposed to be in 10 toes, 10 fingers and all. And all of a sudden, he leaves him. And we see in the aftermath of Easter, Peter has some issues. He wants to walk with Jesus, but he feels like he can't talk to jesus okay y'all not with me all right you ever felt like you want to walk with jesus but you couldn't necessarily talk to Jesus because, because you didn't did some things and you didn't said some things and so you feel unworthy to follow God. Peter had left Jerusalem, y'all. This is tripped out. He's all messed up. He did something that he really feel really bad about and so, Jesus, so Peter gets far away. He leaves Jerusalem. He's gone, but where? He goes 100 miles or so north to Galilee, which is where he's from. Y'all, I don't want you to miss that. He goes back to his old, life. So Peter calls up a lift and he tells lift, he puts it in, take me to Galilee. I need to go back home. Y'all go ahead, Peter, do what you got to do. He's gone back to his former way of life. He's gone back to fishing, y'all. And Peter and the rest of the disciples have been following Jesus for the last three years. This is all they know. They dropped everything. They were rocking with Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus is gone. Peter was a married man, presumptuously with a family, and now that Jesus has died, he reveals himself to the disciples in the upper room, and then he disappeared again. I don't know about you, but that's some trauma issues, right? He got some separation anxiety issues, because Jesus, you left me already, and now you're leaving me again, because I was already rocking with you ten toes, and then you die on the cross, you get buried, we don't know what's happening, you show up, you show us that you're still here, and then you disappear. Peter is having separation anxiety, Anxiety issue. Peter has gone home, gone back to his old life. He essentially hands God back the life he's given him. He essentially said, God, you can have this life back. And we know Peter has gone back to his former life because of what he says in our text today. Peter's going fishing. Watch it. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin Nathan of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, watch it now, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught Nothing. Here his Keith. Friends, didn't shock you. Peter says he's going fishing. You need not let that pass you by because in that statement is rich lessons for you and I. We would have read that. We would have just kept going, right? When Peter says this, he is not saying I'm going to enjoy my favorite hobby. That's not what he's conveying to us. No, Peter is saying, I'm going back to my old life. Peter is saying, I am no longer following the path that I was following. I'm no longer walking in the life God has given me. I am done with that life because, remember, Jesus gave him a new life and a new job description. Jesus made them fishermen of man, not fish. But why is Peter going back fishing? Because he's failed. He failed the Lord. He failed Jesus. Is there anyone in this room that can relate to Peter this morning who can vibe with Peter when it comes to failing God? Not just fail at some task or, 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 or something else, but fail in your discipleship. Can we relate to him this morning? Can we be honest? Can we drop our mask for a moment? Anybody in the room besides the preacher have failed at their discipleship to let Jesus down, to promise Jesus something and then in a very big and huge way, let Jesus down. I mean, have you ever blown it with God? I mean, I mean, I'm talking about that one sin that took you out. I mean, you do some other sins, but this is that one sin that just messed you all up. That one sin that you say, that I would never do, and it cripples you. The one where you think grace can't reach you. There are people in the room right now that are still struggling with walking with Jesus over what they did five, ten years ago. You're still struggling. How could Simon Peter ever be an apostle after what he did on death row? How could he ever be part of a label? How could he ever be part of the aftermath after he dipped on Jesus on death row? Who would sign this jerk, this coward to their team? How could Simon Peter ever be useful in the kingdom of God ever again, having done what he had done? But we don't just learn about Peter in the Easter aftermath, but Jesus. We learn something about God in the Easter aftermath. And so Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing, but, but, but at least I know something about fishing. That's something, that's something I know about. And when we don't know where to go, we go with what we know. And Peter needs to be in something he can predict. y'all. You know? He needs to be in something that he can control. He, he has been traumatized by his own shortcomings. And so he goes with what is safest to him. But what Peter failed to realize is that even his success in fishing was because of God. These professional fishermen have fished all night and have taken nothing. This ought to knock you off your feet. These are professional fishermen. These are not mediocre. These are not new guys. These cats ain't new to the game. This is what these cats do. They know their stuff. They got the whole thing about fishing in their head. They don't need no Google. They don't need no YouTube video. These cats know how to fish and they caught not nothing. And so the first analysis is right there. God finds his people. If you know anything about sheep, they wonder. And when sheep wander, they get lost and put themselves in danger. And so in our text, what we have is wandering sheep who are lost and in danger. And these are the same sheep who will be the apostles. One of the ways Jesus keeps his sheep is by finding his sheep. One of the things I love about God is he knows where you are even when you don't know where God is. I love this because because my son had to learn this on my birthday weekend, y'all. My son had to learn this. I told him and my daughter, now listen, y'all. I don't want y'all to go down to that corner there, because right at the corner of my street is a very busy street. Don't go to that corner. Daddy's making it clear. I don't want y'all down there because I don't want anything to happen to y'all. Y'all know how kids are, right? Kids are like church folks. We don't listen. Just keep looking at me. And they, yeah, y'all be judging kids, but but we be doing the same stuff. Uh, And so, and so, yeah, I run in the house for a second because as I'm out there, don't judge me, uh, uh, but I had a small craving for a piece of pound cake. And so, and so, and so, and so so the craving drew me into the house, y'all. And so I, I went to the house, but the windows are open, okay? And so as I go into the house, I see my son and my daughter inching towards the street. But they didn't know dad was watching them outside of the window. I'm out of their sight, but they're not out of my sight. Let me get that to you again because you're going to miss your shout. I'm out of their sight, but they are not out of my sight. And I said, hey, I shout out. They get inching towards the corner. I said, what I say? He said, dad, how you know? I said, I'm always watching, and just because you can't see me doesn't mean I can't see you. Friends, just because you can't see God doesn't mean God can't see you. He's watching you. His eye is on the sparrow. Every hair on your head is numbered. You ought to shout to Jesus right now, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through. God knows your location. He has it down, and just because you can't see him doesn't mean you can't. God cannot see you. Yeah, my son had to learn the hard way, and so do we. But it's one thing to find someone. I mean, that's hard within itself. But it's harder when you find somebody and they don't want to be where you are. It's a little bit harder because be because be because you ever found someone in a mess and you tried to help them get out of their mess, and you wanted them to walk with you, but they did not want to walk with you. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, I mean, okay, maybe maybe, maybe I'm being too abstract. Let me bring it to you. Have God, has God ever came to you and tried to get you out of your mess, but you wasn't ready to leave your mess? Have you ever enjoyed sin so much that you didn't want to give sin up, that it felt so good, it felt so comfortable, you didn't want to give it up. In fact, you didn't want to give it up so much, you were ready to fight somebody if they touch your idol, you are ready to kick they butt. You were ready to cut some friends off. This is why I tell people before you get in a relationship, run them by your church, folks, just so that we can check them out. Because you know when they jacked up and they messed up and you got feelings, and we try to say, You need the girl, you need to leave him alone. You know what they turn around, they say, Pastor, you hating on us. You just don't want to see us make it woo-the-woo and all of that. And so, and so, and so and so and so sometimes it's easier to find people, but it's hard to get them to follow where they need to go. And so here it is. But what I love about Jesus is not only can he find your tail, he knows how to draw your tail back to him. Oh, I love God, that God knows how to find you, and then he knows how to lead you. Yeah. The disciples see a man, y'all. When daylight comes, they see a man. Jesus sees him out the window. He man went and got some pound cake, but he sees him. And although they didn't know it, He is Jesus, and he's looking for them. God's coming looking for you. And when daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. This is what the Bible says. Friends, Jesus called to them, hey, yo, you don't have any fish, do you? And I think it's kind of comical. Jesus like, ha. Y'all ain't got no fish, do you? Ain't that messed up? Y'all supposed to be fishermen. Y'all supposed to be all that in a bag of chips, five stars on Google, and y'all ain't got no fish. Ain't that something else? Now they answered, cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you will find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Do you hear me, Leanne? It was a large number, as, as Angie said. The disciples, the one Jesus loved, said, Peter... It is the Lord. Oh, my goodness. It's God. Yes, it is. They've been there all night trying to catch some fish, and they caught nothing. And this voice from the shoreline says, drop down your nets on the other side. And, y'all, Jesus, in this moment, this is how I read the text. Jesus creates the first Instacart. Here it is right here, y'all. Instacart didn't just come. Jesus creates the first He brings the food to them. Anybody love God for Instacart? That's a praiseworthy moment. I love me some Instacart. And Jesus creates the first Instacart, but, 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 but he withholds the Instacart. Peter has put the fish in his cart. The cart are not, but uh, uh, he's put the food in his cart, but the food is not coming. Why does God withhold the Instacart order? Is it, because v, uh, P, uh, is it because Peter Visa didn't go through? No, that's not why, y'all. Check it out. When God wants you to have the life he has given you, he will cause the life you want to not work for you. Let me say it again. When God wants you to have the life he has given you, He will cause the life you are trying to make work not to work. Not because he's mean, y'all. Not because he's angry, y'all. But because he realizes what you need is not your old life back, but the new one that he's giving you. I'm going to preach this thing, whether y'all talk to me or not. Jesus would not allow Simon Peter to catch one solitary fish because that was not what Jesus wanted him to do. And so Jesus shuts it down. Friends, this should have been an easy catch for a professional fisherman to catch a fish. He knew where the fish were. I'm sure Simon Peter could, could, could talk to you with, with, with great expertise about the various weather and patterns in the hills surrounding Galilee, especially to the north and to the east and how sudden temperature changes and pressure changes. Of course, not with the 21st century language, but he knew the storms were about to come. He knew what happened to fish and where they could go. It wasn't that big of a lake, but ladies and gentlemen, when God wants your attention, he will keep things from working to bring you to wit's ends because at wit's end, is where God resides. God's address is at the end of your rope. That's where you find him. That's where you find out that you're not God. That's where you find out that you don't have all power. That's when you find out that you don't. ...have all wisdom. That's where you find out you don't have all knowledge. That's when you drop on your knees and you begin to pray to God and quit doing things the way that you want to do. Some of us have found God at wit's end. Like I said last week, wit's end is when your knowledge and your wisdom is swallowed up. And I don't know about y'all, but I've had some situations and some circumstances that have swallowed up my wisdom and swallowed up my knowledge, but I didn't got to go far here. COVID-19, when it first hit... it swallowed up everybody's knowledge and everybody's wisdom. We didn't know what to do. I didn't never seen uh, saints pray like, like they were praying like they never prayed before because when we're at wit's ends, that is where we find God. Friends, but I'm not telling y'all something that, that I heard. I'm telling y'all something that I know. Listen, y'all, I remember when I was trying to go back to banking, y'all. I was trying. Lost my job. Always knew God had called me into ministry but no ministry doors are opening. So you know what I said? I said, I'm gonna get my resume together and I'm going back into banking. That's what I know. I'm gonna go back to what what I know. Y'all, I did everything that I knew. I had the resume nice and cleaned up. It was nice and polished. I knew what to say, I got in the door, I talked to the managers, I got the interviews, y'all, I was on a website, I highlighted all the things that the company was about, I regurgitated their own vision statement and all of that, and nothing would open for me. And the reason why it would not open is because God, who did not intend for Dexter Harris to be a banker, but he intended for me to be a preacher, and if God would have opened the banker door, I wouldn't be preaching before you today. But God knew where he wanted me to be, and when God wants you to be somewhere, he'll claim Close the door because he has a better plan for your life. So he saves Peter from being a fisherman because he wants him to be a fisher of men. The same is true in your life and mine. When we really belong to the Lord and we wander off the path he has assigned us, we will not go away from him forever. He has vested interest in us, and he will hound us until we find ourselves back in his will. In fact, as soon as you and I decide to get up and walk away from God, there are two other things that get up and follow us. Y'all, this is the way David said it. Goodness and mercy rises up when you rise up to wander away from God, and goodness and mercy follows you wherever you go. Especially if we feel God has failed us, we most certainly leave God. I know y'all can get holy on me on this part. You ain't never said I tried that church thing and it didn't work? You ain't, no, you ain't never tried that? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and try this church thing. Ain't nothing else working. Yeah, let me see. I've been trying to get a job, baby, because I ain't been going to church. So let me go to church. Let me go. i up in church. And tomorrow I'll get the call for the job. Didn't work. Okay, maybe, maybe I ain't found my wife yet because I ain't been going to church ta-da, duh, let me go to church, let me go get a Bible in the KJV, you know, I want them these and now, I know God going to hear me, I'm reading in the KJV, and when it doesn't work, what do we do? We leave God, because he didn't work it out the way that we wanted him to work it out. Is anyone in the house today that God keeps finding you? That's why the Bible said he leaves the 99 to find the one. Peter tries to run from God, but God but but Peter tries to run from God, but he can't seem to get away from God. But but not only does God find his sheep, he feeds his sheep. Watch this. now now, now y'all got to check this out cuz this blew my mind, y'all. Watch the text. The other disciples came in the boat <laughs> dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from the land. But about 100 yards off, when they got out of the land, they saw a charcoal fire in the place. Y'all, it's barbecue going on. This ain't a gas grill. This is a charcoal grill. That's how I like my barbecue. I like it with the charcoal. Don't give me that gas stuff, all right? We're going to have a whole problem, all right? I like the charcoal. And so here it is with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went abroad and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. Good job. uh, 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 His name is slipping my mind. Uh, uh, Whatever. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Notice in the story, John makes it very, very, very clear. Read the text very carefully. Jesus says to them, bring the fish. Because they're going to have breakfast. Jesus makes them breakfast on the beach. This is better than hop, y'all, and Sophia pancakes. This is good. This is Jesus cooking, y'all. But this is not what gets me. Isn't it an extraordinary thing that John points out to us that Jesus already had fish cooking? Even though he says to Simon Peter, bring your fish. Isn't that something? Why would you tell him to bring fish when you got fish? He's already got the fish that they're going to eat for breakfast. Why would you tell him to bring the fish? So Jesus has uh, 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 a fish, a DoorDash, and he doesn't plan to use it. Why then tell them to bring fish when you got fish? Simple. The fish is for you, not for me. I meet your needs, not the other way around. You know why I don't tell my kids the needs that I have? Because they can't help me. Friends, God, if he did have a need, wouldn't tell you because you couldn't help them no way. The fish is not for me, but the fish is for you. I just want to remind you this morning that we serve a Savior who is able to feed his servants. Whatever we lack, he's able to supply. May we never forget that he is in absolute control over our lives and that he knows about everything that is about to happen. When needs arise, he has the provision we need. As DMX said, we couldn't even want without the breath he has given us. I'm going to run that back. Come here, DMX. DMX said you couldn't even want the the wants that you need to want without God giving you the breath that you need. And y'all check this out. He is feeding guys who have abandoned him. Man. The guys that abandoned him on death row are now the same guys who are going to eat with him on the aftermath. Jesus feeds the perpetrators. He feeds the cowards. He feeds those who were supposed to be committed to him. You ought to be shouting right now because you know you didn't tripped out on God more than one time. Anybody tripped out and flipped out on the grace of God in this text? God makes them, breath. now you know good and well folks that you don't like. They ain't getting a dollar out of you. Let alone, I ain't cooking for you. Okay, let me talk to the married folks for a minute. <laughs> can we be honest? Can we, can, can we be real wily? Woo! You ain't getting no meal, brother or sister, because cooking can go both ways. I ain't going to be up here with the sex and stuff now. Cooking can go both ways, all right? Uh, but I ain't really trying to cook from somebody I don't like. Okay, maybe you'll cook for them, all right? Or maybe I took it too far. But I ain't about to sit down and eat with you. Like everything Gucci up in here. No, we're not going to do that. Jesus sits down, cooks for them, and fellowships with them. God has kept food in your fridge and clothes on your back and a roof over your head, even when we are at our worst. So he finds Peter and he feeds Peter, not at his best, but at his worst. And though I love the song that Marvin Sapp says, he saw the best in me. But friends, I want to remix that thing. He saw the worst in me and yet he still decided to love me. And God is so good, y'all. God is so good. And in this Easter aftermath, we see that Jesus that gives life also sustains life. And so Christianity is more than God giving you life, but it's also God keeping your life. And God doesn't just keep us by physical food, but he keeps us by spiritual food. Amen, somebody? This is why the psalmist said, I hid your word in my heart that I may not what? Oh, the word of God has a way of sustaining us. And see, and see, God knows Peter doesn't just need fish, but he needs his word. And this brings us to the final analysis to the text, because God doesn't just find his sheep. God doesn't just feed his sheep, but God fixes his sheep. Catch it now. He fixes his sheep. Y'all sitting there like y'all don't need fixing every now and again. Nah, I was nice. I didn't say you need fixing every time. I said every now and again. I was gentle with it. You needed every single moment of every single day of every single every hour. I need you, Lord. Peter is broken, y'all. He's broken. You need to feel this. You need to see this. We're not just having Bible talk up here. The man is a broken man. He's gone back home. He's back in Galilee. He's fishing again. He's giving up the business. This is the same man. Who has seen Jesus walk on water. This is the same man who watched Jesus open up deaf ears. This is the same man who watched Jesus turn water into wine. This is the same man who sees Jesus speaks a word and a man boy gets healed. This is the same man. And this is the same guy who is now jetty. He's back in Galilee. He's broken and he has emotional scars. I need to get you guys in the mind and the heart of Peter. He is experiencing the aftermath of his past decisions. He is carrying around a weight that is weighing him down. Can you relate to this? His portrayal of Jesus is still hunting him, hurting him, and hindering him. He's messed up. He's fully human, y'all. And what Peter needs to understand is Jesus got this. Jesus is going to fix the broken Peter so that he can be a functioning Peter. God has to fix our brokenness so that we can function. And right now, some of you in the room, Satan still got his grip on you because of some of the brokenness that is still hunting and hurting and hindering you. But friends, I got good news. Jesus not only finds you, he doesn't only feed you, but he'll fix you. Anybody need a fixing in the place every now and again. I need you to fix me, God. I'm talking about when you get to that place, when you come to that conclusion, when you come to that resolve that I can't fix myself, but I need a God that can fix me. Here's the text, y'all. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord it is Victor you know that I love you now Peter nice because if you would have said that to me after what you did we scrapping you don't love me he said to him feed my lambs he said to him a second time Simon son of John do you love me he said to him yes Lord you know that I love you he said to him Tim my sheep he said to him the third time Simon son of John Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The context, Jesus confronts Peter three times about his love for the Savior. And these three questions correspond with the three denials Peter made the night Jesus was arrested in Matthew 26, 69 through 75. I think Jesus is giving Peter a chance to deal with his failures He had denied the Lord and had attempted to return to the old life he had lived before he met Jesus. We think we can fix our failures by running from the Savior instead of to the Savior. And Jesus puts Peter right back over fire. This is significant because Peter denied Jesus over fire. And John uses the same Greek word for charcoal twice In his letter, once when Peter denies him and the second time when Jesus confronts him, God takes Peter back to where he failed, not to shame him, but to remind him grace doesn't need to meet you somewhere else but grace meets you where you are, Peter. I'm coming to your address, Peter. I'm coming to the exact moment, the exact time that you messed up and that you fell, and you ain't got to run from that moment because I'll meet you in that moment. I'll meet you when you're jacked up. I'll meet you when you drop the ball in Christ's questions. Love thou me more than these? was a reference to the great haul of fish that they had just taken. Jesus wants to know if Peter loves him more than those fish. Peter responds, Is yes. When God wants to fix us, he makes us deal with us. But you can face it because Jesus faced the cross for you. There isn't a single believer in the room who hasn't failed Jesus at some time in your life. And I just want you to know this morning that we serve, come on, worship team, we serve a risen Savior, and He lives today in heaven at the Father's right hand. And one of his activities there is to intercede for you. We see this in Hebrews. We see this in Romans. He takes our part and he pleads our case in heaven. And when we fail, he's interceding for us. And what I'm trying to tell you is that you have not been so bad that God will turn his back on you. He will forgive you of your sins. And only a risen Lord can do that. And this is the beauty of the aftermath of Easter is we discover that Jesus didn't stop fighting for us after the cross. God has laid out a crystal clear plan for children to follow when they fall away from him. It is simple, but it's absolutely necessary for things to be made right with you. And God, here's the plan. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And watch this. Here's the penny analogy. Come here, Angie. Here it is. Don't come literally. But here it is. And to cleanse us from all what? Unrighteousness. Anybody want to look like a new penny this morning? He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But you got to confess your sins, repent of your sins, and God will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if you do that, my friend, Regardless of how far you have fallen, he will cleanse your heart, clear the air, and you will prove you are really part of the aftermath label. Peter, there will be no aftermath without death row. Dr. Dre created aftermath because of death row. Peter, God had to die in order for there to be an Easter aftermath. Aftermath. And in the aftermath, there's space for failures, but more importantly, there's a risen savior that gives power to rise above those failures. The crazy part is if you go over to Acts, you really realize that Peter actually did join aftermath. Yeah, he did. He actually signed to the label because, because in Acts chapter 2, Peter drops a hot 16. And here, and here, and, 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 and here's his first album. Here it is, y'all. Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord will give call. With many other words, he testified strongly and urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accept his message were baptized. In that day, about three thousand people were added to them. And lots of people have been signing up to the new Aftermath label, and friends, with every eye closed and every head bowed, I want to extend another invitation to the Aftermath label, because Jesus is still in the business of saving folks. You may say in this room today, I've yet to put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but today is the day that I want to be signed to the label. You may be on Facebook, and hearing this message, God is your heart and, and you're ready to turn it over to Jesus you've been running from God because of the things that you got going on but you found out today that God's been looking for you God wants to save you feed you and fix you if that's you just slip your hand up I see that hand up does anybody else in the room if you're on Facebook feel free to inbox me I see that hand. Let me pray for you right now. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that after the cross, you didn't stop working for your people. You didn't stop pursuing your people. You didn't get up from the grave and, 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 and seat yourself at the right hand of the Father and say, now it's on you. No, instead you say, because I've defeated death row, now you can have a seat in the front row of my kingdom. You will put your trust in me. I pray for all those who raise their hand and all those who may inbox. Father, that you would save their souls as they put their faith in Jesus, as they trust in his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Father, we say this morning that we give our life to you, that we give you everything, and that all belongs to you. Church, can we stand to our feet in this moment and let's worship God one last time as we declare that we give ourselves away to him. The one who died for us, the one who intercedes for us, the one who has loved us, let's give ourselves to him and to him alone.